Hello. Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Francis Harry, your host. The world is in a serious situation with this pandemic coronavirus, and it has prevented us from uh, being able to go to mass uh, for concerns for people's health. And so we have not been able to receive communion physically. And so I was thinking about this spiritual communion. I know most of you are very aware of what a spiritual communion is, that when we can't receive Jesus sacramentally, physically, then we can make a spiritual communion and ask him to please come into our hearts to live in us and reign in us spiritually as if we had received him in a um, Eucharistic host. And we can do this many times a day. And it's not just limited for this period of time when we're not able to get to Mass. We can do this every day, 24-7. And every time we do this, we embrace our Lord as if we had actually received him in the Eucharist. And we do this with faith. And the more we spiritually communicate, make a spiritual communion, the more united we become with Christ. And I was reading some words of hope. It's actually the book is called Words of Hope. It's edited by Craig Turner. And then there was a section uh, where he was quoting Teresa of Avila, and this is what she said. I was reflecting upon how arduous a life this is that deprives us of being always in that wonderful company, and she's talking about God, and I said to myself, Lord, give me some means by which I can put up with this life. He replied, Think, daughter, of how, after it is finished, you will not be able to serve me in the ways you can now. Eat for me and sleep for me, and let everything you do be for me, as though you no longer lived but I. For this is what St. Paul was speaking of. So yes, she's asking for how can we put up with this life, and the Lord's telling her, you know, after this is finished, and we can think of this time of our pandemic when it is finished. We won't be able to do um, for the Lord that which we can do right now to serve him in ways we couldn't before. Maybe because you're secluded at home, you are finally finding time to dig in and pray deeply. And so the, the grace is in the moment. We know that. And so we use this time that we have to do what we can do, not what we can't. And we always know that God is with us in every moment. Teresa Babla also was talking about spiritual communions in chapter 35 of The Way of Perfection. And this is what she said. Because this matter is so important, I have greatly enlarged upon it even though in discussing the prayer of recollection, I spoke of the significance of entering within ourselves to be alone with God. When you do not receive communion, but hear mass, and we can think about hearing it on TV or on the internet, you can make a spiritual communion. Spiritual communion is highly beneficial. Through it, you can recollect yourselves in the same way after Mass. For the love of this Lord is thereby deeply impressed on the soul. If we prepare ourselves to receive Him, He never fails to give, in many ways which we do not understand. It is like approaching a fire. Even though the fire may be a large one, it will not be able to warm you well if you turn away and hide your hands. Though you will still get more heat than you would if you were in a place without one. But it is something else if we desire to approach him. If the soul is disposed, I mean if it wants to get warm, 
and if it remains there for a while, it will stay warm for many hours. So I hereby make a spiritual challenge to each and every one of you. Make frequent spiritual communions every day. Now there's one more thing I like to add on this topic. St. Therese wrote a poem which I found to be very touching and um, worth pondering um, even more now um, in the absence of being able to attend Mass physically. This poem is called My Desires Near Jesus Hidden in His Prison of Love. And this is from the book The Poetry of St. Therese of Lisieux translated by Father Donald Kinney from ICS Publications. So here is what St. Therese, the little flower, wrote. Little key, oh I, how I envy you, for each day you can open the prison of the Eucharist where the God of love resides. But oh, what a sweet miracle. By just an effort of my faith, I can also open the tabernacle to hide near the divine king. Being consumed near my God in the sanctuary, I would like to burn forever with mystery, like the lamp of the holy place. Oh, what happiness! I have flames within me, and each day I can win a great number of souls for Jesus, inflaming them with his love. At each daybreak, I envy you, O sacred altar stone, as in the blessed stable, on you the Eternal One wants to be born. Ah, deign to grant my prayer. Come into my soul, sweet Savior. Far from being a cold stone, it is the sigh of your heart. O corporal, surrounded by angels, how enviable is your lot. On you, as in his humble swaddling clothes, I see Jesus, my only treasure. Virgin Mary, change my heart into a pure, beautiful corporal to receive the white host where your sweet lamb hides. Holy Patton, I envy you. Upon you, Jesus comes to rest. Oh, may his infinite grandeur deign to humble itself even to me. Fulfilling my hope, Jesus, does not wait until the evening of my life. He comes within me. By his presence, I am a living monstrance. Oh, how I envy the happy chalice where I adore the divine blood. But at the holy sacrifice, I can take it in each morning. To Jesus, my soul is dearer than precious vessels of gold. The altar is a new calvary where his blood still flows for me. Jesus, holy and sacred vine, O oh my divine king, you know I am a cluster of golden grapes which must disappear for you. Under the wine press of suffering, I shall prove my love for you. I want no other joy than to sacrifice myself each day. Ah, what joy I am chosen among the grains of pure wheat who lose their lives for Jesus. My delight is truly great. I am your dear spouse, my beloved. Come, live in me. Oh, come, your beauty has ravished me. Deign to transform me into you. And with that poem, I think it is a great prayer. So I just pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in a spiritual communion. Come into all of our hearts. Help us to receive you, to treasure you, to surrender to you, and let you reign in us and through the whole world. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Stay safe.
point being that those who find themselves in these difficult situations have an additional source that they can draw on, the, the only source, and those who want to participate in the ministry will have an additional means to find strength uh, and uh, uh, camaraderie even with those who are working in this ministry day in and day out. Now there's another critical component, Michael, that you have a vision for, uh, that somebody's going to be responsible for making happen, uh, and that is to make uh, the Blessed Sacrament available 24 by 7 uh, in the form of adoration. Uh, we could go over a number of uh, admonitions from, um, from our church about uh, making uh, that uh, sort of prayer opportunity available. There's no need to. It's clear uh, the Holy Fathers, uh, the last three, of course, have been uh, adamant supporters of, of the availability of adoration. But talk to us a little bit about your vision for um, something in the Dayton area that, quite frankly, does not exist today. Not, not uh, uh, anywhere that I'm familiar with within 25 miles of us. Well, and I would say that, you know, e even someone who's not familiar with our faith tradition or who might not recognize the real presence of the Eucharist um, sees great value in the, the spiritual calm that comes from just being still and accompanying um, each other. And, and as we would invite them to focus on our Lord um, in, in this way, and as we witness to them um, how much peace it brings us to to do that, um, that that's a that's a, a foot in the door, is it not, uh, for them to uh, enter the, the the richness of contemplation in the real presence, and and as you alluded to, the the, the power of that is 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 but a glimpse to someone who has not experienced that before who might witness it for the first time but certainly if we were to keep that up um, then uh, it, it it will be noticed and it will be noticed by the guests who are here themselves 24 7 uh, for the time that they need to be here and and also i think quite powerfully um, introduce a broader segment of our catholic community to the ministry that we have here and um, the importance of the invitation to them to participate in the in the way that they would like to um, uh, beginning with adoration and perhaps moving on to, to even more involvement with our ministries yeah and it's uh, uh, there are a couple of initiatives Michael and I just briefly uh, chatted about on the break that we have in mind for getting people especially in the conferences and uh, again, for those who are not familiar with the structure, you can uh, understand by conferences, either parishes or, uh, as we mentioned, a university. Um, uh, there's a particular immigrant conference that, that uh, helps uh, that community. Uh, but uh, getting those conferences more uh, ingrained, uh, integrated into the prayer, part of the spirituality of the society, for this simple reason. Uh, those of us who've been in ministry of any kind for some number of years have come to recognize we are not the centerpiece of the work. We are not uh, the, uh, the ones who are making all of this happen. It is the Holy Spirit who's bringing about the change that we see, bringing about the provision um, that we rely on and that uh, the people that we serve rely on. And so we want to put the focus back on the center and where it needs to reside, and that's where... Uh, the Holy Spirit rests and where the Holy Spirit is both guiding, directing, and making possible everything that we do. Um, I would also say that even for those who may not have an immediate opportunity, though we hope ultimately many will, certainly we're talking to the Miami Valley now, the Dayton area, uh, we hope that many people will be interested in supporting 24 by 7. I know I can speak uh, very uh, deliberately to uh, this issue of a desire for many, many years, and the part of many in this area, to have availability for 24 by 7 adoration. Here, I would say it's even more powerful. We're not just giving the opportunity for uh, adoration and, and the opportunity to come and spend time and worship our Lord, but we're doing so in the context of a ministry that even our Lord said uh, was arguably among the most important things that we could do, and that's serving the poor in our society. The poor we will always have with us, these treasures of the church, will be with us until the Lord returns. And now we're being invited through this uh, uh, 
um, initiative of 24 by 7 adoration uh, to serve that community and worship our Lord uh, all in the same time. So we're very excited about it. Uh, certainly those in the Dayton area will begin to hear more about it. I've already reached out to a number of people uh, to at least begin uh, to uh, uh, make that available. And we hope if there are people in other parts of the country that are hearing this message today, whether they're involved in the St. Vincent de Paul Society or not, that you might be gaining some interest in seeking out that society in your area and thinking too about how you begin to engender a deeper appreciation for the spirituality of the society. And that, of course, Michael, stems all the way back to our, uh, our patron, St. Vincent himself, St. Vincent de Paul. And so I want to talk a little bit about his spirituality. Now, we should just say briefly, in fact, if you don't mind, I'll let you do the just the brief uh, you know, elevator speech history, because many people associate the society's founding itself with St. Vincent. Of course, that's not the case. It was founded uh, quite a number of years later, 200 some odd years later, in fact. Uh, but I'll let you do that brief history before we go into St. Vincent's. Well, and isn't it interesting that here we are talking about the founding of the society nearly 200 years ago, and when it was founded, it was uh, with reference to a, a saint another 200 years before that. So yeah. uh, it is, you know, initially I think of um, how the, the stories of saints throughout the ages have inspired uh, generations to uh, continue those paths of holiness in a very particular way. So um, basically, um, Blessed Frederick Ozanam is, is credited as being the leader um, of a group of uh, young men who were college students uh, who, with the help of their mentor, Emmanuel Bailly, um, who, who grouped together to form what became the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And essentially what happened was um, in, their, in their studies, they were challenged by um, folks who said, well, you, you Catholics talk a good game about serving the poor, but what are you really doing to serve the poor? And so... Um, they took that to heart, and uh, they approached um, so, so some particular daughters of charity, who again are part of the, the Vincentian family that trace their history back to St. Vincent himself, uh, to learn how to accompany the poor, learn how to, to accompany individuals in need. And so, um, uh, as I mentioned, the, the, the society was formed as a, as a Catholic lay apostolate and um, has continued in that um, mode um, we, we also have uh, uh, governance rules in effect that essentially keep clergy from leadership roles uh, in order for us to maintain that, that lay character and, and how we operate. And Ozanam himself, being a lay person, he was actually a lawyer schooling at the Sorbonne. Um, around 1833, if I have right. my dates correct, right. is, is their actual founding. Um, and you know, it, you, you reminded me of an important point that I wanted to include in the ministries, because I don't think we touched on it specifically, and that's the home visit, which is really the centerpiece of the ministry, isn't it? It's Absolutely. not just sort of, hey, you, the poor, come to us and we'll provision. Talk, talk about that part of it, because that's so so key to both St. Vincent's own spirituality, but to Ozanam's founding of the, of the society. Well, and even our secular friends um, who, who we work with to this day recognize that apart from the religious character of our work, uh, they note that we're the only ones who do home visits. So um, we, we are not what we call a service counter type of human service. Um, we are a ministry. We're a two-by-two two, uh, ministry where we focus on going to people where they are, quite literally in their homes. And it's been that way since the beginning. That's what the Daughters of Charity uh, taught Frederick and his companions. Um, on, on how to be present to people, how to minister to them, how to be in authentic relationship with them. Um, and I think this is another aspect that um, gets skipped over quite a bit when we talk about poverty. Um, one, one piece of poverty that we all want is spiritual poverty. And uh, we practice that, we attain that um, in, in large measure through um, our intentional relationships um, that reach out to, again, create authentic uh, two-way real relationships, not dispensing our excesses to people that we perceive have material needs, but to enter into a true uh, relationship with them, 
that has all the friction and tension of any of our relationships. And the idea that, um, that we are engaging people uh, from whom uh, there is objectively no ulterior motive for us to, to gain for ourselves other than our own salvation and theirs. Well, you bring up an important point. I'm actually going to skip past the virtues at St. Vincent. We may come back to them, but because you leapt to that, I want to, I want to capitalize on that and um, just point out that the, um, one of the central uh, themes, of course, is poverty. And for St. Vincent, there were four critical vows uh, that he asked his original uh, society, not societies, but his um, uh, the, the missions and the uh, daughters of the um, uh, daughters of charity. He asked them uh, to adopt these vows. One of them was, in fact, poverty. And, and he said, um, if I can find his own words here, uh, essentially he would not uh, want any one of these foundations uh, to be formed without themselves adopting an event evangelization of the poor founded on poverty that we practice ourselves. And so uh, to the degree that we understand this idea of, uh, of spiritual poverty, uh, St. Vincent was key on his own um, uh, members practicing that idea of poverty. And it may have been material poverty. In many ways, of course, it was for those who were ordained. But uh, even from a spiritual standpoint, he, it, it wasn't, as you said, you know, we, we give of our excess and, and that which we have left. We can think about the woman in the gospel, of course, that Christ uh, points out to giving the, the, the last of her uh, resources. But um, here, St. Vincent was key on the members themselves practicing what it is they were uh, seeking to serve, and that's uh, the poor and, and therefore practicing poverty. It's a key component of it. Well, I want to drop back to the virtues because uh, these are also key to understanding the spirituality. And again, as Michael and I have been discussing, it's the spirituality um, that we want to make sure that we, I, I wouldn't say uh, as much recapture, but invigorate uh, and make sure that everybody who's participating in the ministry and those who are served by the ministry are drawing the fruit of the spirituality that is inherent in the uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society. So the first of those virtues, Michael, is simplicity. You want to speak about simplicity a little bit in the way that St. Vincent uh, uh, communicated it? Well, you know, simplicity is something that um, um, we, we struggle with in, in so much of our society today. I, I, don't, I, I confess I don't know what it was like um, for him in, in his day, but, but I can say that... Um, you know, one of the things that helps us in our own spiritual growth is when we witness people who come to us at the shelters, for example, who, who really have nothing other than the clothes on their back and um, who have um, may, maybe some very complicated um, personal circumstances. But many of them that I've encountered have a certain um, simple, kind way where they have um, uh, embraced um, a love that is palpable. And um, that is something that is very attractive to many of the people who come uh, to work here, is that um, the, the, not everyone who comes here is in misery. Sometimes there's a quiet joy about them, and it is in their simplicity. It is in their letting go. It is in their not being attached to... Uh, too many worldly things, and um, you know, many of them um, frustrate us perhaps because we sense that they don't have a, a spirit of personal enterprise uh, or personal responsibility. Um, but simplicity is something that's in our face every day. Now, we we of course are are yearning for that virtue in uh, in a sea of complicated, uh, uh, unsimple uh, ways of the world and what we're surrounded with. But um, I'd have to say that uh, one of the things that, that uh, makes me excited about this ministry every day is that I can walk 100 feet from my office and encounter someone who has the simple joy about them, even given all the circumstances that surround their lives. Um, and that's a powerful witness. 
You know, one of the things that I was thinking about with regard to simplicity, and I, I read some of the material from St. Vincent's history on him and how he implemented and, and chose the particular virtues he wanted to focus on. But the modern term that comes to mind is subsidiarity. This idea that let's put the responsibility for getting something done at the lowest, most effective level within the organization. I see that in the way you run the organization, Michael. You know, all of us come in contact with the poor. I saw you counseling a young man the other day, actually a volunteer in one of the facilities that we were touring. So you yourself get directly involved in the ministry. It's not like you sit in a corner office and direct yeah. other activities people's activities, but you, and, and it seems to be uh, a pervasive throughout the organization, people want to be involved in the ministry. They want, to, they want to touch the hands of the poor. They want to actually be at that lowest level. I don't mean lowest in, in, in a demeaning way, but at the level that comes in contact with the poor themselves. And right. I think that's also part of that. Well, and, and plus how we position ourselves um, in that we are we are known in the community as the absolute backstop. We are the ones who affirm uh, every individual's humanity. Uh, when when all their other networks fail, when their when their family network fails, their employment fails, their shelter fails, their food security fails, um, you know we we are known to be the ones that anyone can come to. We don't have barriers. We don't have the complications of. Uh, you know the um, conditions that are placed on um, on on loving others. That's what we're here for. And and again, we're we're known throughout the community for that. Well, one other um, virtue I just want to touch on quickly the the uh, interim ones. We would all recognize humility, um, uh, meekness. Of course, in this environment, that's a, a virtue we would rely on uh, every day. But also, interestingly, zeal. Zeal for the work. Say, say just a few words about that, if you would. Yeah, that gosh, zeal is an interesting thing because, of course, um, uh, it's used a couple of ways, isn't it? It's it, well, on the one hand, it's it's uh, used to describe passion. On the other hand, it's used to describe zealots <laughs> that <laughs> that, uh, that that chase down their own designs on on folks. But but I, you know, I I have to say that. Um, there's an energy around our ministry that really uh, is the fuel that really powers us to engage every day, and I see it in in our volunteers and our employees, and and I can only describe it as something that um, it, it is really the fire of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there there's no uh, objective reason why we should be uh, super excited about. Um, uh, being in the middle of misery, right? But uh, there, there is this very palpable energy that anyone feels when they come in to our work, um, uh, where they notice that that we we're just energized. And and my own explanation for it is the Holy Spirit. It has a way of drawing you in. I have witnessed uh, just in my short tenure here, uh, people that, and I don't mean to scare anybody away from the ministry, but I think it's representative of what you just said. People who willingly work 50 and 60 hours a week, you know, to support this ministry. Um, and they don't do it as drudgery. You know, I asked one woman, in fact, uh, uh, regarding the length of stay she had in one particular day. And she looked at me and said, well, uh, I said something about going home. She said, well, the people in the shelter don't get to go home. So, you know, it was, it was a passion and it was palpable and uh, it was clear that it came from the heart. So very, very uh, encouraging and and. Uh, it's really something to, to hold, to, to, to behold. And you do see the face of Christ in these people. And it, it makes you want to uh, be transformed and help transform their lives. You know, closing in uh, our Carmelite fashion, I just want to quote the, the words of St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, arguably the uh, most popular saint of the 20th century, certainly a well-known Carmelite. She said, There is no joy like that known by the truly poor in spirit. And if I can, Michael, I want to thank you very much for taking this time to be in conversation with us today. It's been a revelation, I'm sure, to many of our listeners. I do want to encourage and invite everybody who's listening. Uh, if you know of the St. Vincent de Paul Society in your area, certainly if you're in the Dayton area, um, you know, take an opportunity to look a little deeper into us and see if there isn't an opportunity for you to get involved, to volunteer in some way. And what I want to promise you is that you'll capture the zeal that Michael talked about and you will find yourself transformed by participation in the ministry itself. 
and you will see the face of Christ in those you serve. And in that spirit, let us pray for the poor and the needy in our society. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, you came to give honor to the least, those forgotten, overlooked, and misjudged. You came to give first place to the last, those left behind, misunderstood, and undervalued. You came to give a warm welcome to the lost, those who are orphaned, abandoned, and destitute. Help us to be your ears to listen to their cries. Help us to be your voice speaking out of love and acceptance. Help us to be your feet walking beside those in need. Help us to be your hands to clothe, feed, and shelter them. You came for the least, the lost, and the last of this world. Lord, hear our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home until we're with you again next week. God bless.